Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holy Delivery Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here as ever with Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? All right. Thank you. Morning from Oregon. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. I've gone back to school today, um, which is which is a very surreal experience. It turns out, rather than teaching a full class of 30 kids, just having nine of them in front of you uh, and the remainder on a computer screen somewhere, was actually quite an enjoyable experience. It, it turns out I'm actually quite a natural at teaching when there's only nine of them in front of you. <laughs> It's, it's all a matter of the numbers, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think, but they, you know, you get bigger than nine, they just get a bit annoying then. That's actually true in real life. When they get past year nine, they do get quite annoying as well. No, but it was quite nice to see some uh, some kids today. It was nice that they uh, remembered me and, you know, didn't roll their eyes and go, oh God, not him again when the, when I saw them. So that was quite nice. Um, how are you doing? This is a very early start for you, isn't it? Yep. Just early Monday morning. Need to, you know, actually get on with some real life stuff today. So squashing the pod in before before real life gets going. I love that we've done this at either end of the day. You're sat there like scratching your eyes because it's first thing in the morning. I'm scratching my eyes the first time I've done some work properly since uh, since since November. So yeah, I don't know how good a podcast this is going to be. On the basis of the introduction, it's probably going to be crap as we've uh, <laughs> we're, we're ninety seconds in and uh, and I'm just waffling about scratching your eyes. Anyway. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are going to talk about a few different things today. We're going to start by going through the uh, announced UK and Ireland World Cup bid. We're going to talk about uh, the pitch for Newport County and their move to, well, temporary move to the Cardiff City Stadium. And we're also going to mention the start of the Welsh League, which kicked off this weekend. Well, in full anyway. And... Uh, in the process, churned out some very interesting results, moments, and outcomes. Um, before we do that, um, we have been dangling, I suppose is the word I would go for, on Twitter that we've got something exciting coming up soon. And uh, Ruth and I are very proud to announce we are going to be releasing a match day football magazine, sort of like an international fanzine, um, all electronic, all free of charge, um, from fans for fans. Um, it is called Game Owalard. Um, we have a lot of different contributors to this, which we're super excited about. You will have seen some great artwork, which has gone on Twitter this week uh, from Owen Lacey and uh, a friend of mine, Ollie Whitfield. Um, we have match previews. We have uh, looking at kind of historic matches against the opposition and just as by perfect quirk of circumstance, um, this is a perfect one, obviously, beating Belgium 3-1 has got, has got a nod. Um, beating the Czech, well, Czechoslovakia as they were, 77, when they're European champions and, and the Mexico game in the 58 World Cup. So it's a, a nice opening one for that. We've got cont- uh, contributions even from uh, James Evans, who you might know on Twitter as Galbar in France, and some of our other contributors, uh, contributors even are going to be joining us soon. We also have Fraser Watson, who's written a, a fantastic article on Gareth Bale for us, who's a, a Media Wales Awards Sports journalist of the year nominee no less ladies and gentlemen nominee not winner um so yeah we we are very very excited uh, about this ruth has br- written a brilliant brilliant article as well imagining what chris gunter's 100th cap might be against mexico and what that day would be like so yeah that is going to be out uh, a week today hopefully which is going to be monday the 15th which is when the squad is announced um it's going to be on colemanhadadream.com which is our website um 
it is going to be downloadable as a PDF and it's going to stay up there as well. This is going to be the first of many of these that we uh, we do. So keep your eye out this week on Twitter and Facebook for, for different updates, um, different teasers ahead of this uh, magazine coming out. But please read it. It has taken us bloody ages to put together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so even if you think it's not very good, just lie and say that you really liked it. <laughs> Because if, if my wife comes home one more time and says, you're not doing that bloody magazine, are you? Um, then it will have been worth nothing if no one reads it and uh, no one compliments us. So, yes, I don't know about you, Ruth, but I'm I'm kind of really excited about it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little bit proud of what we've done, I've got to be honest. I, I th- actually think it's great. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, hope that, I, hope the, I hope the artwork that folks are seeing on, on Twitter is, you know, whetting the appetite to, to have a look and a read. Um, the... Yes, it's been a lot of work, but it's, as usual, it's been it's been fun work, hasn't yeah, it? It's absolutely. not it's not a chore to talk about Welsh football. Um, so, well, I'm yeah, just interested in people's take and uh, letting us know what they think of it, and then uh, and then hopefully looking ahead and keep doing it for future windows as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's the aim is to do do something like this for every every window. I, I, like I know there are some great fanzines out there, but I think we've kind of looked at the fact that this is free. It's electronic, so you don't have to send anything. No one has to chop any trees down. Um, we've got all kind of unique and original artwork on it, which I, I think is pretty unique, and I'm super grateful to everyone who's contributed. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. There's some great articles there. Um, it looks good. So even if you're just, you know, you know, even if you've got mates who can't read, just show them the pictures, and they'll enjoy it, um, just like most of my mates. Um, so, yeah. I, please do keep an eye out for that. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be great. And uh, as I say, week today, Monday the fifteenth, that will be going out. Game Oglard, game Oglard. Sorry, off to a solid start. So yes, um, please keep an eye out for that. Thanks to everyone who has contributed. I have talked enough now, Ruth. So we should get on with the podcast. Even by our standards, I feel like being basically six minutes in uh, and not having started the podcast yet is a is a new one even for us but uh, yeah please do keep an eye out on facebook and twitter for that so uk and ireland have announced they're hosting or trying to host the the world cup in 2030 just off the top of your head um i wondered what your thoughts are mixed feelings on it to be honest uh, i mean i would love for wales to get involved in hosting a world cup it's not you know can't pretend that that wouldn't be wonderful but i think the whole question of kind of team gb concerns me um i i I think it opens up avenues in that regard that i don't like makes me nervous um Kefferin, the president, UEFA's president, has also made it quite clear that he only really wants to be supporting one bid from Europe with, you know, only push one bid forward to to FIFA. And I I think there's a Spain and Portugal. Yeah, there is, yeah. uh, Potential bid underway as well. So, you know, we might not even, the, the whole process might not get past the UEFA kind of rubber stamp in any way. I do think there's, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's talk of a, a sort of, Paraguay, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay bid isn't there from from that corner of South America. And given it's a hundred years since Uruguay hosted the first World Cup, I can I can just see the kind of um, the draw in giving them a sort of centenary a centenary host yeah. as well. Um, 
and then the other the other country I heard as as rumored was actually China, and technically because Qatar is viewed as an Asian country within the FIFA kind of you know how it slices up the yeah. world, then they they shouldn't be going to China just on the rotations on the continental right, okay. rotations. Um, but you know you feel if China threw enough money at it, that that particular cause would soon go out of the window for, yeah, I was for, say, for FIFA. Um, I'm not, I'm so not sure they're too concerned. All, all in all, I think my reaction is, yeah, but, because I actually think, I, I don't think it's particularly going to come to anything, really, to be honest. No, I mean, you know, we've they've committed to support the bid, the government have, sorry. Um, they need to do feasibility work to assess the viability of the bid. Um, there's, 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 you know, two two parts of this really like you said on a, on a purely footballing level wouldn't it be fantastic to have your brazil's uh, you know argentina's germany spain well maybe not spain after the last time they played in the millennium stadium actually but um wouldn't it be great to have those teams those players those fans those you know that atmosphere in 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 wales in cardiff in swansea you know wherever else they kind of look to host games i think that would definitely be a you know a fantastic opportunity that would be too good to to turn to turn down i think when when cardiff had the champions league final i, I know that cardiff was a fantastic buzz for the for the time around the tournament and you know all the extra stuff that they did you know they had like the floating pitch down the bay imagine that for the world cup like there's there's loads of great stuff loads of great things that could definitely come out of it i think the best thing or the best realistic thing i think but i don't know how realistic it is i think the improvement in infrastructure that could come to Wales, which is something that Wales, you know, I don't want to get political, but it's something that Wales is 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 lacking in certain areas. I think that this could be a benefit if it was done right. Equally, I think if this was a way that the FAW boosted Wrexham, and I don't know whether they could work with their new owners to make the the ground kind of viable for international football again, make it all seater, kind of add developments to it. If that was a part of the process, and Wales had several stadia, then I think that makes it a lot more interesting for me. What I don't want, and there's there's two things that kind of concern me most, is I, I don't want it to become England's World Cup plus Hampden Park, the Aviva Stadium, the Millennium Stadium, and I know Windsor Park is where Northern Ireland play. They're talking about building a new stadium, so whatever that would be. I think that devalues it because then we are just... They're just popping across the border for one game for Wales and Scotland and everything else, and I don't, I really don't like that idea because I don't think there's any long-term benefit to that. Because the ultimate negative, and you you mentioned it, is the is the Team GB thing. FIFA are big on what you know on pushing us toward GB. They want that to happen. I think from from what I've seen and what I've read, and I just feel like if we're saying no, we're on our own. We don't need those other people, those horrible bastards. Oh, but we do actually just just for this one time. Like it, it, it can't. I, I feel like we can't have our cake and eat it that way. Equally, I, this is a super cynical thing to say, but there's a massive part of me that thinks this is solely political. And I think with Scotland's independence movement growing pace, I think Wales is is growing pace as well. There's a really cynical part of me that just thinks this is 
Boris Johnson looking for a, for a you know a way to kind of unite in inverted commas the country again and and in the short term this is that effect and people might be excited about it and then it might do you know, we'll get to the 2022 we didn't really think it was actually that viable anymore is they're just using it as a short term boost that is super cynical and I and I know that but and as I say I don't want to talk politics but that's that's roughly my uh, my take on it I just I just feel like there's more negatives than positives in the in the in the bigger picture of it all. I agree with you. I think there's an undercurrent to to this. Um, I think if we wanted to go down the route of using this as a way to aid infrastructure, I would much rather we did a bid, for argument's sake, with Ireland for a Euros, yeah, where like you haven't there. you haven't got the question of it being two independent countries. Um, it would put more impetus behind having. Of you know do, doing something with the race course, for example, because you'd, you'd you know you'd obviously need more more bases in Wales at that point if you were sh- if you it was just Ireland and Wales yeah. sharing. Um, so I think if if there's a feeling from the FAW that we want to go we want to be part of going after one of these more major tournaments, I can see hosting a you know a, sh- a share of a 24 team Euros would actually result in much more football in Wales and infrastructure development than than hosting a fraction of a 48 world team World Cup, actually. Uh, and I just, like I said, I, um, I don't think anything's going to come of it, really, no, genuinely. I, I, don't, I don't think FIFA, I don't think UEFA are behind that location particularly, and I don't think they're going to push, push it with FIFA, and I, I think that'll really be the end of it. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm I'm tempted to agree with you on that sense. I, I think there's also the issue for me of who gets the host countries' places. I think it'd probably be England because that's more interesting for the wider football world. Um, yeah, because in because um, FIFA haven't even decided what's going to happen about Canada, Mexico, and the US yet for for their uh, their hosting in 26. They haven't decided what what host country qualification means even for those three countries yeah so if they're if they're sort of sitting on the fence and and waffling about how to sort out a three country venue in terms of host places they're never going to let it happen for five no i I, the only thing is i don't know when it goes to 48 teams oh wow yeah the u.s will be the the u.s mexico canada will be the first so i can see that i mean that is that's ridiculous but that's a story for another day um i i I do think that because there's basically you'd have to do well to not qualify for that World Cup. I think they will probably just end up letting those three do it. I, I do think that we we get into a you know I sound like an old man now, but I do think we I think forty eight teams we just do is devaluing the World Cup to an extent. It would be great for Wales to get there, and you know I'd, that'd be great, and I'd enjoy it, etc. 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 But I feel like come on now, it's, it's not you know it's not school sports day. It's not everyone gets a medal. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like it's just a bit. It's just a bit much for me, but that's a different argument, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's basically about just under a quarter of you know FIFA's countries would therefore be at the World Cup. It's just, I mean, it's it just annoys me so much because it, it is becoming more and more a financial exercise. This year's Euros is the perfect example of that, um, and I think it's just getting to a point now where it shouldn't be like that. Football, especially the World Cup and international football, should have a special. Um, value attached to it and i and i think you know 48 teams is is too much equally to go along with that this is my final point 
about the the World Cup for 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 us and and the other uh, the home nations in Ireland is, I think that five country it's just ridiculous it's no need it's too much it's the same as you know the the south american bid the four countries the traveling i don't even get me started on the u.s and mexico and canada the traveling distance is there absolutely ridiculous and it, it just annoys me because no there is not one person at fifa who's just thought well, i'll tell you what what would be a good euros or what would be a good world cup for the fans i think if a country or maybe two can't afford to do it because there's too many teams and there's not enough stadiums it costs them too much money then either they can't do it or they have to reassess the situation because fans will go fans will travel people will spend their money and do it because they don't want to miss out on something but i just I don't know. I just feel like it is just—it's be- becoming a ridiculous thing now. It's becoming a money-making exercise. It's—it's it's not about the people who are actually give a shit about it the most, and that's the fans. Imagine traveling from—I don't know where the games are, Guadalajara to Vancouver. But you know, if we're, and we're moaning about going to Baku. I mean, Christ alive! That's taking the piss. You'd have to remortgage the house for that one. <laughs> I, can't, I can't disagree. I mean, we're—you we're, and I live the distances here it's uh, it's a big old space hi my name's ollie and together with my friend bob we host a weekly podcast called totally underqualified it focuses on adulthood and navigating all the bits and pieces of life that come along with it and how completely inept we are at dealing with those so if you fancy having a laugh just listening to two people ramble on about life universe and everything then feel free to come and check us out you can find us on instagram at totally underqualified and click the link in the bio to find out where you can listen to us so once again that's at totally underqualified see you soon talking about the euros and and baku and 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 traveling i I just wanted to raise the, the kind of the current situation with with the euros um the, the last UEFA news was that the, the cities, the stadia had to put together some plans of, you know, how they would host with yeah. no fans, how they would host with about a third full of fans, local only. <clears throat> there was that um, notion of having bubbles where people would, you know, fly from Cardiff to Baku under oh, sort God. of quarantine if, if, circumstances. If you thought I was going to rant when I was talking about the World Cup, don't even get me started <laughs> on those bubbles. The stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Gone. Sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to raise the concerns about the, the the stadia and the and the local authorities have until about a month from now, early April, to kind of put forward their plan. But there seems to be rumours coming out of UEFA that really they're only going to consider places that will guarantee at least a 30% full stadia. Now, the assumption there is is, it's because UEFA need 30% ticket sales before they start to make any money. And so there may be a scenario where, let's say for argument's sake, Munich put together a plan that says, okay, we we think we can do 20% safely. Then... UEFA may take the games elsewhere if, for argument's sake, St. Petersburg says, well, we can do 50%. Yeah. Because they know they can make more money that way. And at, at the moment, the whole situation is in such flux that you can't imagine every one of the stadia that's on the list 
is going to say, yes, we'll host. You can imagine somebody somewhere is going to say, yes, but no, thank you. Um, And so there's going to have to be some moving around of fixtures and locations. And at that point, I can see UEFA doing a a much more major change and just go to six, eight, ten places that feel they can give them, let's say, 50% stadia capacity and and then they'll make some money on it. Yeah, I mean, again, you know... (laughs) I sound like an old bastard, but you're right. Probably, uh, it's just, again, it's just about money. It's not about anything else. I'm like, I'm annoyed at the whole situation. You know, Italy is going to play their group games at home with a home crowd and no away fans. I mean, a that's a sporting advantage, but b that's it's not what the Euros is about. You know, it's not what international football is about. It's about the clash of colours and sounds and uh, and everything a lot that goes along with it. And I think and I, I feel I really feel and I've said this before, so I won't go into my next dialogue, but monologue sorry but I, I i feel like uefa really shooting themselves in the foot by kind of hammering on to this one idea i think they've got two realistic options knock it on the head for another year which i know is not going to happen and kind of shift the international calendar around because look how many players are injured at the minute it's you know it's not going to be a good euros i saw a stat the other day the number of goals per game average at the start of the premier league season was something like 2.95 and now it's 1.1 um the, the average goals per game has gone down that much, I think, because players just knackered. And I just, you know, it's, it's they need to make a decision soon, is the, is the crux of it. I said I'm not going to have a monologue as he rolls into his 20th minute of talking shite. But, um, yeah, I think uh, they need to they need to make their mind up very quickly is the long and short of it, because I, I just think there's not, there's not enough countries that are going to be able to host it realistically, are there? Well, it depends what hosting means, isn't it? I mean, I think there's I think there's countries that would be willing to have a game of football, but it seems like UEFA are now coming round that it's there's got to be fans of in some of, you know in some form, even if it's just locals, because then they'll get some ticket money. And I think there's two. It's another scenario where you know common sense and public health is one thing, and and UEFA's energies are, are elsewhere. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start again. But I, I agree. Is <laughs> the easiest thing to say there. Um, to to move on to club matters, we're not going to do a full roundup of clubs this week. But uh, we thought it might be quite interesting to talk about Newport County, who won uh, on the weekend. Another another good win, a two 0 win for them. They are going to be playing some of their home games away from home uh, at the Cardiff City Stadium. Uh, Bradford, which is Tuesday, so tomorrow as we record it on the 9th of March, and Leighton Orient on the 20th of March. They've got five away games in in essence, which is is bloody good news for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it's an, an example. In fairness, the English Football League, you know, making it, the board there making a sensible decision. Something something had to give with the with the state of. of Rodney Parade. I I did a little bit of digging and I was surprised at the at the situation because I know we've all been saying, well, it's it's a rugby pitch basically. You know, the Dragons are playing there, Newport are playing there. It's no wonder it's getting churned up and turned over. And you know, how can how can County cope on what is effectively being treated as a as a rugby pitch? But actually, at the moment, Newport aren't playing at all because of the elite sport situation and the dragons have only actually played three games on there since the start of 2021 so in january and february they only played 
three games. So it is actually, ironically, it's the football that's that's put most wear and tear into into that pitch recently. Is it not though that the I, I, that the damage was done before twenty twenty one? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I was just surprised that it's actually taken relatively little use. Yeah. For it to for it to really for really suffer this winter, um, and, and I suspect that's why they were looking at putting in a hybrid pitch. You know, it was it was on the cards, and it would have probably happened last summer, all things considered. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think you know going forward, obviously there's there's a there's a much wider issue there of, of them needing needing the hybrid pitch, um, because as I said, it's actually not that much use in compared to most seasons it's not had that much use this winter um so yeah. clearly it's it, the you know the pitch is reaching a kind of tipping point in what it can cope with that's the only thing i would say about all of this it, i mean it's great they're doing it it's definitely you know in the best interest of the club and the players and and everything you know their promotion bid i just wonder what are they going to use these five weeks for because if if the rugby team are going to play on it as well they obviously won't be able to relay the pitch. Like you said, the financial situation means they can't put the, the, the hybrid pitch down, which is definitely what they need. So I, I whilst I think it's a good idea, I, I I mean, I don't know, and I and I could be talking out of turn, but I hope there is a long-term, or well, long-term-ish plan to use these five weeks to make it look like a football pitch again, not a... No, you know. no. Because one of the reasons it's come to a head now, Dave, is that the Dragons have three... Home the, the next three weekends, they're playing there. Oh, so so it's gone from the dragons not using it much, and it's going to be the dragons using it a lot over the oh. next three weeks. So it's certainly not going to get any rest. Oh, cool. Um, I I, <laughs> I I don't know whether you know as part of the deal maybe with the EFL. Again, I'm just speculating, but as part of the deal with the EFL, I wonder if they've said and, and Cardiff City have said, you know if you go back and it's still a problem, you can have it on this date, this date, this date, because they have got a couple of games in hand. So I feel like maybe they might use it for the games in hand or home games when Cardiff are away, because the pitch does look in, in good nick. Um, Cardiff City Stadium is always... I don't know whether there are other alternative options around and about the place. I don't know whether... Because, I mean, Swansea have obviously relayed the pitch after they had their issues with it. So I don't know whether that, that, that would be a feasible option for Newport. I don't know... I mean, I, I doubt it, but you know, the Millennium Stadium's not doing much. Are they? Is is that a feasible option? I, I'm I'm just suggesting because I'm sure the Millennium Stadium would cost way too much money. But um, I feel like the problem isn't going to go away if they just, you know, if the, if the rugby boys are going to play on it again. Rugby boys made me sound like I was 16 then. <laughs> oh, the rug, the rugby boys are coming. I got to go. Don't like them. Anyway, um, you can tell I'm tired today. Actually, I'm being a little bit weird. Anyway. Um, um, oh, I forgot what I was saying now. I'm sure it was bollocks anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like I hope there is a longer term what if plan here as well, because if it if it doesn't come to anything or it doesn't make a longer term improvement, whilst it's great for now, you know, what if Newport gets to the playoffs and it's and it's still a mess? And I don't know, I just hope there's a longer term vision uh, for the rest of this season as well to kind of to kind of see it out. Because, I mean, I don't know. Did you see the goals on the weekend that they, they scored in the win? Colchester, I think it was. No, actually, I haven't seen those. Um, the the second one especially was was such a good passing move. Um, really showed what they're capable of, and I feel like they're going to get a boost of confidence from playing this. Obviously, some better results are coming now. In the last eight, they've lost just three. 
um, which, you know, compared to the form they were on before, was pretty good. Three wins, two draws. The football, like I say, is starting to show signs of coming back. They've also got a decent run coming up as well. They've got Morecambe, um, who are above them in the league, so that's a big game. But other than that, they've also got, of their next five games, four teams are below them in the league. Um, so, and you know, not immediately near them either. So I think that would be an important spell. If they can maximise playing at Cardiff City Stadium and, you know, win those games against Morecambe is the big one really but the teams below them and that can really help them push on toward the end of the season then yeah no I think it's obviously encouraging the the way the form has turned around in the last three weeks or so um and as you say if they can play some football because that's how they're, they're set up they're and set up to be a football do, playing yeah. team um and and clearly the the pitch has has cost them on occasion um to go back to your point about other options, I went, I noticed that the friendly that the Wales under-21 team have slotted in to play the Republic of Ireland, they're actually going to play that at Collier's Park. So the those training grounds must meet the, you know, the basic kind of safety needs when you don't have a crowd yeah, true. of of what the teams need. So I wonder whether Dragons Park is actually an option for, for Newport. And I don't know whether there may be EFL kind of considerations that, that make it a different scenario. Um, but I, I do think, as you say, between Cardiff and Swansea and perhaps Dragons Park, even the Millennium at a push, you feel like there's enough options that... Newport can can hopefully find locations as long as the EFL approves them. Yeah, no, that does make sense. I'm I'm intrigued as well. I, I saw the the Wales women announced two games today. I don't know whether you've seen that it's first thing in the morning for you, but against Canada and Denmark, which I think are going to be uh, mid April. I think I read they were. I'm just going to double check my facts while I'm while I'm saying this now. But um, I think. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, because the women enjoy playing at, at Newport as well. I wonder if that mm-hmm. might change their approach, because I did notice on the on the tweet that went out, um, the the uh, uh, venue was noted as TBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do wonder that whether that might kind of change their change their outlook on things as well. I suppose it's a while ahead of the. Uh, the, their qualifying campaign, but uh, still, I thought I thought that was quite interesting. I'm glad to see they've got some fixtures sorted. That's good news. Yeah, there you are. Sorry, it's the 9th of uh, April and the 13th of April, um, which is not long to be fair before the the draw for the World Cup qualifiers. I think that's going to be on the 30th of April. Um, so yeah, some some good. I mean, uh, you know, great opposition in in Canada and Denmark. Mm-hmm. Th- two very good Canada in particular, like very very good teams. So. Um, yeah, interesting one. Yeah, the first one is, is is venue TBC. So I wonder if that was maybe scheduled to be at Rodney Parade, and then the wheels have come off that one a little bit, and <laughs> uh, and they can't do it because the second one is scheduled to be at, at Cardiff City Stadium. So it'll be interesting to see where they hold that uh, they they hold that game. Um, to move on further to our final talking point, you'll be able to. Oh, sorry, I wanted to say one more thing about Newport. Um. They have released um, their anniversary shirt, celebrating 40 years since uh, the European Cup Winners' Cup quarterfinal. Carl, Carl Zeiss Jenner. Um, I, in my obviously you know obsessive football shirt collecting way, have a, have ordered one, um, and it's arrived at me mam's house. So thank you for that, Newport County. Um, very nice it is too. 
So, um, yeah, if you haven't got one, I would very strongly recommend it. The reason I mention this is I... I, I was aware that this had happened, but I wasn't quite aware of, of the circumstances. Do, do you remember this? Not Maybe, you know, not at the time, but, like, do you are you aware of the kind of history behind it, Ruth? Not not hugely. Um, you know, we're aware of the Welsh teams that often had quite decent European runs in the Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup in particular. Yeah. Um, we, t- we tended to... Um, to get because by nature you were playing cup winners from across Europe and some of those cup winners were better quality than others so yeah. often there was a there often there was a way to have quite a decent run in in Europe um Merthyr had a you know had their course, yeah. their um day in the sun Bangor um, Barry as you said Newport and then of course Swansea Cardiff and Wrexham were playing relatively regularly yeah um so there was there was always a team to follow um in in those european competitions and they and it, you didn't have like excessive preliminary rounds and all that sort of thing you were kind of straight into the into the the knockout stages so regularly one of the welsh teams would go relatively deep in that competition yeah it was fascinating i i obviously like i say i was aware of it but i didn't know much of the history in the late 70s a couple of years so this was 80 81 season a couple of years before they came bottom of the fourth division and had to be re-voted back in to the to, to to the football pyramid so they didn't get relegated then they got promoted in the same year they got promoted they won the Welsh Cup and the next season then they kind of went on this cup run and got a bit of a lucky draw um, they played Crusaders I think it was in the first round like you say you're straight into the knockouts there's no kind of messing about it was kind of straight in and they, that was the thing there were a couple of these teams who they who they kind of got against Crusaders being one of them who were a team at the time of you know plumbers and civil servants and it was uh, and they, yeah, as I say they got through to the quarter final and if they'd have won they, they would have got through and played um Benfica, which would have been would have been fantastic, but yeah, really really interesting story. If you haven't if you haven't read that, there's a great article um, on the Guardian. I think if you if you if you Google that, but yeah, very very interesting. Anyway, I will shut up. Um, the Welsh League started this week, Ruth. What were your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's obviously good to see both the JD Cymru Premier and the and the Women's Premier league back as elite status and, and games starting um i think it's i think it's like this evening the women have their first game and then they've got a full weekend coming up yeah um i actually i i, I jumped onto um youtube and watched the uh, new saints and, and bala game on what was relatively early saturday morning here um Actually, genuinely, really entertaining. It was quite entertaining. Nil, when nil, I thought that. draw. Yeah. I mean, it was great, great game of football, actually, and some, um, some really, I mean, some good saves and some, some near misses, and yeah, just a genuinely very entertaining nil-nil draw. I actually had quite a strange day on Saturday because I went from that game to Swansea Middlesbrough, and then I watched Juve Lazio. And I and I have to confess, the most enjoyable watch was probably TNS and <laughs> and, and, and Well, I mean, if you want to compare that to to Newcastle West Brom on Sunday, I wanted to rip my own eyeballs out for that one. So I definitely would have preferred to watch the TNS Bala game again. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It was uh, I didn't watch it all. I uh, I profess, but it was an entertaining game from what I did see, and uh, very much enjoyed. It. In fact, there are a few entertaining games. I I, I saw the highlights of Aberystwyth Carnarvon. What a bonkers game of football that was! That was uh, Aberystwyth one 0 up, and then in the eighty eighth minute they were two one down. <laughs> Um, uh, Carnarvon scored twice in the last 10 minutes or so to go 2-1 up um, and Jamie Veal and I don't know if you've seen it it did the rounds on Twitter in the 96th minute scored a absolutely like a peach of a free kick in mm-hmm. pretty much the last kick of the game it kept you know kind of keeps them in the survival hunt the bottom of that league is so tight um, the bottom five teams covered by five points so you know really important goal for them but uh, again I, I didn't see the whole match but from what I saw of the highlights so just a, just a great game of football and you know exciting I think that's what the Welsh the the Cymru Premier is, is is exciting football you know it may not always be the highest quality or whatever but I think it's a it is an exciting league to watch I think I think that's a good way of putting it actually it's just eminently enjoyable watchable football yeah, exactly. isn't it and I, and it, I think it, it draws you in um the, the, you know in contrast to the what you're saying about the bottom of the league the top of the league really does look like a two-horse race yeah. doesn't it I, th- I think it'll be a, a fight between TSA, TNS and Connors Key again but um but you know it's a, it's early days and you don't know how different teams might come out of the out of the lockdown in a you know with with a different uh, different form than they went into the lockdown, but really it does look like a two horse two horse race. Although obviously interesting uh, interesting shenanigans at TNS yeah. with their with their club statement. Yeah, I was about, intrigued on uh, your thoughts. The departure on that. of Roscoe and, and Evans. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, just to go back, I, I just want I think Bala are still kind of just about in the hunt. They've got a game in hand. If they win mm-hmm. that, they're six points off the top two. So. Um, an interesting one, and I and I reference the game in hand because that that is what I found really interesting about the the situation with Roscoe and Evans, is TNS are top of the league. <laughs> Admittedly, you know that's why I say it. Connors Key do have a game in hand. A great win for them on the weekend, by the way. One nil down and down to ten men after twenty five minutes, and, and 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 came back to win two one. So great for them. Um, but I think I did. I, I don't know about you, but I, I I feel like there's a lot more to it, or feels like there's more to it than meets the eye with Roscoe and Evans only because you know they won the league in in 18 and 19 they lost it last year admittedly to Connors Key but that was in a in a pandemic cut you know the, the league was cut short so you never know what kind of could have happened there the top of the league now have had some decent runs in Europe I the thing that surprised me most I, I don't know about you was the timing of it I feel like you've had this time off from December well time off but you know what I mean time away from December to now if you're going to make your move, surely that's the time to make your move. I, f- I felt it was odd to give them one more game and then say, right, time's time. So it does make me think there's more to it than than just results. But I, I, again, that's huge speculation. I have no idea. I agree. I mean, there's, it it throws up questions, doesn't it? It just the timing just seems really odd, um, and I I think it's it inevitably leaves you thinking that there must be more to the story. Yeah. Well, well, more in the sense that the the club have said we're parting ways and we're not saying anything more. So you haven't yeah. really had, it, you haven't had an explanation, and hence this, there will be a reason that this has happened. Yeah, the reason hasn't been shared, and hence people speculate about what the reason might yeah. be. 
Yeah, I felt, I mean, again, yeah. I'm, again, pure speculation just to build to your theory. But <laughs> I, I wonder if maybe there was, you know, they were, they were lining someone up in case it went wrong. And maybe Evans and Roscoe have got, got hold of, you know, of, of that information maybe and, and have thought, right, you know, and, and that's why they've kind of parted company in the way they have a kind of limited statement, like you said. Um, it did. It did make me think that was my first thought. Again, given the circumstance of the of the league table, I mean, top of the league. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting one. Like a lot of people said on Twitter, you know, it, you know, it's unheard of for TNS to potentially go two years without winning the league, which which you know is a distinct possibility at the moment. So I guess maybe that's part of their thinking. But yeah, the wording of the uh, of the article made me think. Um, speaking of sensational news, another seamless link here at Coleman Had a Dream um, we saw the news this week that Jazz Richards was uh, has signed for Haverford West um, which is fascinating I mean, he, he played for Wales in November 2018 he had o- offers I understand from championship clubs in the summer when he was let go from Cardiff he's been training with Swansea under 23s at the end of last year and you know great for Haverford West but it seems well, I like it. The, the words I've written in my notes are an intriguing move, to say the least. And I think that is very, <laughs> that is very much the situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about the offers he may have had last summer, and I can, I can understand at the minute how the whole thought of moving from home, probably leave you, leaving your family in, you know, Cardiff-based, presumably in, in, in his case, and going to, oh God knows, Middlesbrough for argument's sake, as a as a championship destination. I can understand how everybody's just a little bit leery of that particular scenario at the minute. So I can understand how this is just an interesting way for him to have some first team football, to be playing regularly and kind of, and kind of regroup. Um, But I did, I do think it's interesting uh, how we're starting to see, you know, a little, a little cohort of, of, of internationals that are now, playing in in various uh Welsh league teams and uh you know it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of you know progression of of careers I think yeah I agree it's funny you know obviously Joe Ledley David Cottrell and now Jazz Richards the only thing that surprised me really is that he's he's 29 years old with all due respect to Joe Ledley and David Cottrell not, I'm sure they don't listen but just in case with all due respect they are older they are very much at the tail end of their careers um Jazz Richards is 29 and I get your point you might not want to move to Middlesbrough in pandemic I suppose you wouldn't want to move to Middlesbrough ever but um, <laughs> uh, sorry if there are any smoggies listening but I doubt that but yeah I, I mean I've, 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 I've seen a reported amount of money that he's earning uh, or that, that an offer he had he was reportedly offered 1500 quid a game so to all intents and purposes that's probably about six grand a month which don't get me wrong you know, it's more than what I'm earning for shouting at kids. But I, I think that when you're that age, he's probably earning more money than that at, at Cardiff. I, 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 from his perspective, I, I was I was genuinely quite genuinely quite surprised. I gotta say. I think it just you know having not accepted something or been picked up or had opportunities fall out after the January transfer yeah. window. I, I think it's just like, well, okay, what's on the cards for the next few months that can keep me playing, keep me fit, keep me engaged, you know, have something to the agent can can work with going forward and, and kind of look for yeah. the summer. I agree. I, I think it's, 
it's concerning and I think it's a reflection of kind of where we are in terms of player um like the sort of halcyon days of people's careers these days it seems to be a a very kind of truncated thing at the minute people's careers they they kind of get to the the end of a contract and it's like everything just evaporates people won't take on an older pro like they used to um and i i think that there's actually a bit and this is a manifestation of a big picture question of player progression um the whole sort of notion of contracts player resale values and also all of that is is a sort of hybrid mix here of of what it means to players as they get older yeah i guess so and i think you're probably right in terms of you know being closer to home and and all of that stuff is 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 bound to make a difference like you say you didn't get you know hasn't been offered much since so i guess it's worth it uh, in the short term, it gives someone something to talk about, you know, like you say, his agent, can, at least he's been playing football this year. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I suppose from that angle, and you've got to say, for the Welsh League itself, for the, for the Cymru Premier itself, to have those three players playing in it, I think, you know, offers them a certain cachet, is the, is the, is the word I'd, I'd think you're using. So, yeah, I, I think it's great news for the, for the Welsh League, and hopefully this is a path that kind of more and more players can go down you know maybe a little bit later in their careers perhaps and kind of keep the keep promoting the Welsh League and kind of keep keep it on on people's radars and keep it in people's uh keep it in people's minds mm-hmm. no I think I think that's that's a good point I think if it's uh there's an agenda isn't there in both directions yeah. I think you know it works for Haverford West exactly. it works for Jazz Richards it's a short-term scenario just like everybody to make it work for right now yeah i i agree it's uh it is very good for them um in unusual circumstances ruth um we have uh we've run out of things to say have you well, got no, any extras you want to check in with you oh god because last week when i mentioned spurs and the welsh mafia you just laughed me off that this what that wasn't what was happening are you are you convinced now finally I am, I am. I, I, do you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'll let you, you know, I'll cast the facade aside. We obviously plan these things, and relatively speaking, I know most words that are going to come out of Ruth's mouth and vice versa, but I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to be, uh, to be mugged off. Um, but I suppose after keeping female Welsh lady in last week, I suppose I, I, I'm, I'm deserving of it. No, I agree. I, uh, I, I, I thought I've seen a few of the things that have gone around, and some of the things he, he said have just been absolutely fantastic. And the... Um, uh, <laughs> When he was asked after, I forget who they were playing. I was it after the Burnley game or one of the European games. He said, "Oh, what? What does the L stand for that Lucas is doing?" It was just like, "Oh, he just wants to be involved. The L is just for Lucas." Um, I thought that was really, really funny. And you know, on a on a on a relatively serious note, the fact that he looks as happy as he does playing the football he does is uh, is fantastic. And he's obviously scoring goals, creating assists. He's uh, yeah, very much back to the Gareth Bale. <laughs> God, um, every every time we record this podcast, Alan pops in, and uh, and just Alan just pops in and just gives me a middle finger or you know tells me to f off. But obviously, Alan is uh, Alan has decided to do it this time without interrupting, which is thoughtful of him. You know, didn't want to interrupt my flow, so he has instead written 
fuck off Dave on a piece of paper and dangled it in front of the camera and ruined it anyway. Um, I think that is a, a pretty good place to end <laughs> the podcast. Oh, my um, so there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Um, don't forget that uh, a week today on the Monday the 15th that we have our, uh, our new Matchday magazine coming out. Game of Lard, which we're very excited about. Please go to colemanhadadream.com um, and have, have a look at that. There'll be more teasers out in the week uh, about that. So if you see them, please retweet them. Please share them. Um, you know, Please let us know what you think of them. Maybe let us know what other things you would like to see done in the future. Um, I'm sure the people who do the graphics for us on and, uh, and, uh, and Ollie will be absolutely delighted to hear me say that. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Please do keep an eye out for that. Um, and thank you for your time, Ruth. Yeah, that was great. Uh, can't wait. It's nice to be able to start thinking about some international football again, isn't it? Exactly. We won't be waffling about nonsense next week. We'll be talking about the squad. The squad comes out a week today. So next week's pod will be on the squad. That rhymed. Um, so perfect. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. This has been a weird one, isn't it? Um, thank you for listening. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be in touch soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>